What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. Asian bitches down under a podcast about sharing information and perspectives from the Asian diasporas in society and culture. We encourage you to subscribe to our show by Apple, Google, or Spotify. If you have enjoyed our episodes, please support us by giving us a five-star rating and get your friends on board to listen to us. Finally, we would love you to support this podcast by donating to our Buy Me a Coffee program. Your wonderful support and donations will help us to continue creating the platform for diversity and inclusivity. Make sure you check out the episode show notes for any collaborations we're working with to promote. Thanks again, and we hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hey, all this is Jessie too. Hi, this is Helen, and we are Asian bitches down under, recording to you live from Sydney, Australia. Um, and you know, it's not been such a cold week. Last week, Helen, I believe that the forecast was saying this week was going to be like frozen, cold, winter gusts, and all that. Yeah, I mean, we're both wrapped up in complete blankets right now. <laughs> we finally arrived, winter twenty twenty two. Yeah, it's June it's, now. Um, this week we have the polo blast. Is it called polo blast or something like that? The cold yeah, people are saying through. that polo blast. Yeah. yeah, and like um, for all your guys out there, all y'all, y'all listening, um, it's uh like about fifteen degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it really isn't that cold. But you know, for us Sydney siders, it's freezing. Yeah, we can't tolerate and, the cold. Yeah, especially you know, for us. I yeah, think uh, anything tropical island, uh, tropical exactly. countries we can Taiwan, <laughs> Taiwan, exactly. Anything below twenty degrees Celsius for me is freezing. <laughs> anything I know below twenty five so, is freezing for me. Yeah, that makes it so, sound so pathetic, but I don't care. I'm just like so, you know. But I was telling Helen before that um, the cold mm. actually makes me um, write More better, like productive, uh, productive. Mm. Yeah, and mm. it is a thing that people have researched and oh, really you know, conducted okay. studies on. Yeah, you know. Apparently, officers, um, if they like, they've done studies on if they have the um, aircon on higher, people are like more productive um, than if they have what higher is it? On. You mean the if they have oh, the, the temperature is lower. Temperature is lower. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So yeah, cranking up the AC is um, and making people colder is actually more productive. More mm. makes people more productive, I which kind of makes sense. I I actually think like I don't know. I just feel like I'm more alert when I'm colder, you know. Whereas, like when mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm comfortable and snuggy and warm, snuggly, I don't feel like working. I just feel like being like lazy and chill, you know. <laughs> I guess Do you get that? Because, yeah, I guess it's because the cold temperature makes you uncomfortable, and you have to constantly think about how to do something to distract yourself. Whereas. <clears throat> yes, warm temperature. That's right. that's right. You just want to hibernate, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And you just feel sleepy. That's yeah. The, yeah. And Helen and I, were, before we started recording, we were talking about our heater usage. And I was saying to Helen that um, despite wanting to have a heater at my feet, um, I realized that having it makes me sleepy and not want to work mm-hmm. as e- efficiently. And I find that this afternoon when I was writing, just, you know, writing notes for my um, for a project I'm working on, I felt like, I don't know, I was just like more like, I think part of it, Helen, is me wanting to get the work done. I'm like quickly mm-hmm. get this done so I can go and like, you know, hide in a bath or back, <laughs> into, back into the warmth of my bed, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, I guess so. Do you so. get that? Yeah. 
Sometimes I think it usually happens to me in the first thing in the morning. Like I want to get things、mm. done first、yeah. thing in the morning or right after I drop off the kids to school. Like that's my most productive time. Right. I'm yeah, yeah, thinking, yeah. 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 Okay, should we get into our cultural consumption of the week? Would you like、yeah. to start first?、Um, I can't say that I've watched anything on Netflix that's good because we、mm. finished Tokyo Vice, which I spent too long talking about last <laughs>、yeah. week. Like a bad feminist and a bad cultural consumptor, like watching a show totally that was totally about、Centering、a culture refracted white guy. through whiteness. Yeah, <laughs> probably the douchiest white guy in Hollywood, <laughs> Ansel Egort. But you know, he's super hot, so.、Um, You know, sometimes a girl's just gotta, you know, perv on whatever she can <laughs> perv on.、Um, yeah, no.、Uh, so we finished Tokyo Vice first season.、Mm. Um, it was, I mean, it, it was a great thrilling end to a season. I hope they do season two, just because you know I want to see where it takes,、yeah. where it goes.、Mm-hmm. Um, I read a little bit about the memoir by Jake Adelstein. Oh yeah, was,、uh-huh. what the show was based on, and、um, I, I had this weird.、Um, Joy in and, and entertainment in reading one star reviews. They all said <laughs> that Jake Adelstein is like the biggest egotistical douchebag in the world, and that the、mm. and that the memoir had nothing to do with Japanese yakuza's, but just it was just about no, Jake about Adelstein、him. beefing himself up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is not surprising.、Um, and、um, to that effect, I think that、um, Ansel Egor was the perfect actor to play him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was still curious about whether or not his Japanese is very good or spot on. I did talk to、um, someone close to us、mm-hmm. who is Japanese, and you know, wanting their opinion about it. But, did you、uh, show them the trailer or something? No, like that? no. Because、okay. I watched the trailer、um, yeah. last week after you told me about Tokyo Vice, and I have to say, I, I probably can figure it out. There's still the accent. You know, yeah, it's、right. not. It's nothing、yeah. wrong with the accents, but you can still tell that he's not fluent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It、but、is、like、very this, hard. Far out. Yeah. Learning a language. Very hard. I, Absolutely. Oh, I just. You used to learn Russian. To, I know. I did. <laughs> before, before this year, um, before the events of this year, um, yeah. Now I'm just like, okay, that's a private thing. I've never learned. Tried to learn Russian. <laughs> Let's hide that in the past. Yeah,、um, but this week I think the only recommendation I have, Helen, is、um, a new book that I'm reading, and it's part、mm-hmm. of a, a panel discussion which I'm moderating in a、okay. few weeks' time at Vivid.、Nice. So I'm going to be holding a discussion at Vivid at the Museum of Australia、mm-hmm. um, with Jen Pinkerton and Rob Brooks, and、nice. um, talking about their books really, and allowing them the chance to discuss through their books、um, their views about modern dating in Australia. Oh,、um, interesting. Particularly Rob Brooks,、um, I've started to read his book Artificial Intimacies, and Rob is a evolutionary biologist,、mm-hmm. and he in his book writes about、um, sex bots and the way in、mm-hmm. which、um, human lives are now mediated a lot. Intimacy, sex, relationships, emotional currencies—a lot of that is mediated through、um, technology、yes. and、uh, the way in which those things might change and alter our interactions with one another in real life, 
in mm. the what from person to person engagements. And I thought, you know, it's a really, really fascinating read, Helen. And you know that I don't usually read any books by written by men. Like mm. I'm actively against it. Okay. Um, but when it comes to nonfiction, I'm like my rule about reading men is like much more lax. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, this I have to say this is um, a super enlightening book that I'm really enjoying. Oh, interesting! So I it's give a Rob go Brooks. One, yeah, once, you finish. once I finish, it's Rob Brooks, and his book is Artificial Intimacies. It's I'm about halfway through, mm-hmm. and um, so far he's talked about like the um, sex bots, and he talks a lot about kind of like animals and the way in which animals, uh, the the way in which historically stuff about animals and the way that they have sex has, um, and the research behind all that has been used. Um, to help us learn more about how we uh, copulate and, I guess, form our human-to-human relationships mm-hmm. and the limits of that, I suppose, because, you know, we're animals, but also we're not, you know. I guess there's a, there's a sense of new things coming up with intimacies. I think it, it has evolved so much. Just from our parents to our own generation. When you really stop to think about it, I love that you brought that up. I mean, the digital era has changed so much. Just within your own son's life, like from 2005 when I graduated from high school, from Mm -hmm. when your son was born to right now, and your son is now 16, 16, it has been extraordinary, the change. Absolutely yeah. extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And I, like, we are not digital natives, you and I. We were born in the 80s. Um, but, you know, millennials, oh, sorry, not millennials, Gen Y people, um, those born no, Gen, after 1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1996。1
right. Yeah. So it seems right. like already know that bullying is very prevalent in any society, but it seems yeah, like it's yeah. been amplified quite a lot in a lot of Japanese media's. Yeah. And it's becoming a bit more open to talk about it, I guess, because in、yeah. the past a lot of people consider, you know. I don't know if it's this is an Asian thing, as in you know, if you're the victim, it's usually your fault. You're being bullied. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's something wrong with you. You can't fit into the the society. That's why people bully you. Yeah. But I think in more recent years,、um, there are a lot more dramas and books that are openly talking about bullying and how fucked up it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, in any society, but I think because of the books that I've been reading, it seems like almost I just don't understand why that in Japan, even with incidents like bully in school, the teachers can't do much about it. I、yeah. think there is a lot of power disparities, and the what what do they call in school the parent PTA or parent teacher yeah, association? Parent -teacher yeah, association, something yeah. Like that, that kind of institution. The parents with that kind of association are usually、um, in the very high regard societal. Position. Yeah, they're either yeah. a politician or they're someone very well known, businessman,、mm. businesswoman. So those pe those people are the parents of the child in the school, and they also hold a huge power. And yes, they also their、yes. kids are usually the one who are bullied because they consider they have a lot of power、mm. from you know inherited from their parents, and you know they can do shit around other、yeah. kids. I don't know where to go from here, but I, I just think it's good to see that there are more. Stories that are coming out like this.、Um, mm. So this the perfect world of Miwaku Sumuda. Who who is Miwaku? Is she one of the characters in there? Yeah. Um. There's a huge obscurity surrounding this character because there's never a clear indication of why this character. I'm spoiler alert. Committed suicide. There's also um things that talked about her being. Not so much an outcast, but she's just a shyer, very reserved、uh, mm. person. There's stories about her that she might have been sexually abused, but it's never、yeah. really explored in the whole、yeah. novel. Like we、yeah. we follow her with one of her friends、uh, going through to the abortion clinic, but she never、oh. explained the backstory、right. of how she fell pregnant. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of vagueness surrounding. Is this book this translated?、Thing. It is translated. Yeah, it's in English. Yeah, but who is it、yeah. translated by? Oh no, no, no. Sorry, it's not translated. It's written. It's written in English. In English. Yeah, right, it is written in、right. English. So, sorry, my apology. Yeah. Yeah, because、so. I'm really curious about、um, translations now that I'm writing、mm. a book about a translator. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm re reading a lot about the art of translation. Yeah, and what's really what, one point that I really wanted to bring up, Helen, was that um I've been reading a lot about um you know the vegetarian by Han Khan. Yes. So that um she won the book off in two thousand sixteen alongside her translator, a straight、uh, English translator Deborah Smith, and I had no idea, Helen. I don't know if you know, but after they won the book off, it was like very controversial. Like Deborah Smith and her her um translation from Korean to English was like. So criticized heavily、uh, because、oh, people in Korea、okay. were saying it was like very highly mistranslated. A lot、really? of people were unhappy about the fact that she had only learnt Korean for th some people say three years, others says six years. 
Oh. It's really, really astonishing. So she was 28 when she won, and a lot of these attacks were, like, by men against her. And, I, like, a part That's of me, the feminist in me, can't mm-hmm. help but wonder whether it's just because, like, people were, like, hitting on the fact that, criticising um, the fact that she, because she was so young and, mm-hmm. you know, because um, she had only learned Korean for, you know... Um, for a short period of time. A, yeah, such a, less, such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been reading a lot about it. But the one thing that has really sparked... One issue that has really sparked my interest in translations from, like, Asian cultures, Asian mm-hmm. literature to Western is... Um, I read somewhere where they said that... Um, because people were saying, um, basically, that Deborah Smith, in her translation of the character, the main characters um, in The, the, the Vegetarian... Mm-hmm. There was criticism around the fact that she had, in her translation, she had given a little more agency to her female characters, like used words that that kind of insinuated more self-agency than the actual characters were given in the original. Ooh, and and they were kind of saying how, okay. like, um, Western translators, often when they're translating Asian texts, they kind of make the female characters or they make the protagonists a little bit more stronger and a little bit more rebellious because they want their Western readers to relate to the characters because, you know, like, often mm-hmm. the thing about Asian cultures, we know um, we Asian cultures, they live in a more collective society where, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's, it's a bit more shameful to rebel or to, like, mm-hmm. go your own way, you know, like... Mm-hmm. And whereas in the West, independence and freedom and liberty, all those values are way more explicit, you know, mm-hmm. and valued and norm, normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just thought that is like such an interesting thing that um, perhaps the reason why a lot of people in the West, you know, Anglo-Sophia audiences, mm-hmm. they don't gravitate towards um, Asian, Asian literature. Because, yeah, yeah, and Asian literature because um, in Asia, the kind of good person does not do anything like quote unquote rebellious. Mm. Isn't that fascinating? What do you think about that? Oh, that's interesting. It makes know. me want to go back and read The Vegetarian again. Yeah. Oh, you should. Yeah. I've been I've been Because into this it. is what I feel about translation for a very long time. Because yeah, all the me. listeners know that one of my favourite um, Japanese author is Haruki Murakami. Uh-huh. And I've been reading him since I was 16. But I started uh-huh. reading him through the Chinese translation rather than English right. translation. Yes. Because back, yes. in, um, back in the time when I was 16, I don't really think I was capable to read the English version of his book. Um, but when I started reading the English translation when I was in my mid-20s, I didn't like it at all. Yeah, it right. was, I don't know, it's just there's a lack of connection that I felt in English language of his work compared to the Chinese translation. And also because the Chinese translator yeah. is, um, she's Chinese. Oh. She actually worked in both Japan and, uh, sorry, in Japan and Taiwan for a couple of decades. And I think she only started doing translation work in her mid-50s. Yeah, right. So she's very familiar with both, I guess, the Chinese Japanese language as well Chinese, as in, yeah. in the Japanese language. And she's always she always liked to read and I guess Murakami was one of her favourite author as well. Right. And so does Murakami write in Japanese? Yeah, he write he writes oh, in Japanese. I okay. believe there are some like short stories he has written in English, but I'm not yeah. too sure because he wrote so much. Yeah. But this translator, Lai Minju, um 
Yeah, I actually had an opportunity to kind of exchange emails with her. This is like wow. back when I was in my late twenties. Yeah, and. The words that she used, it's very close. I guess it's because you know Chinese language and Japanese language is very closely yeah. related. Yeah, yeah. So yes, yes. it's. I'm not saying that it's easy to translate, but you can transfer the certain sentiment, yeah. and you know, t- from Japanese to Chinese. Whereas I guess it is a bit more difficult from Japanese to English. Yeah, yeah, which is why that you know in the later works, even when I'm in my mid thirties, um, reading the latest work in English, I just don't feel, I don't get the same feeling when I was in my right, reading, teens. Reading it, yeah, Chinese, reading yeah. it, yeah. Or maybe That's his, <laughs> maybe his work has just gone bad. Shitty I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. <laughs> I think it's extraordinary though that you can read Chinese. I guess I'm very jealous. Of yeah, that. you get the. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how people people's brain work when you can speak multiple languages or you know interact yeah. with multiple languages. But there is something in your brain that sparks differently yes. when you get in touch with other languages. Yes. I think. Yes. The other day, yeah. I was kind of writing, you know, thick in the doing kind of writing about my character, mm-hmm. and then I had this moment when um, I started just speaking Mandarin because I just yes. felt like it, mm-hmm. and then my partner who is like white and he doesn't know any mandarin he was just like what and i was just like i just i just wanted to i just wanted You're to talk it to mandarin. yourself yeah, yeah yeah i was just like wanting to say it and say the words that's 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 all like some part i don't know if you ever feel like that helen sometimes you just want to speak your native tongue yeah but my native no, my native tongue is thai it's yeah, like taiwanese yeah so that's like, our first um, language yeah, and so sometimes I just yeah, like the other day I was sending Helen videos of Thai entertainment t- shows. talk shows, yeah, from <laughs> Taiwan, and they're just so freaking comforting because yeah. I think um I grew up with what my mother watching that a lot, and um it's a sense of just, nostalgic. Yeah, for, it just I feel like at yeah. home. I feel like at home in a That's way right. that I don't think I'll ever feel at home mm-hmm. with anything else in English, which is kind of sad. <laughs> But then again, you grew up speaking English more than Chinese in Mandarin. Yeah, or Chinese, I know, I know. Yeah, 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 that's true. It's funny. Speaking about screen time, um, what have you been? What's your Netflix uh, recommendation for this week? Okay, so this week I am recommending a Japanese drama called "He Is Expecting." So it is oh. a reimagined world where where uh, those uh, the cis male can be pregnant. Don't ask me how awesome. biologically how that works. Yeah. Uh, but it's set junior. in Japan. Yeah, Junior, similar to Junior, but yeah. this one's more, not so much as a comedy. But, Is it sci-fi? Um, it, it's not sci-fi, but it's more like a social commentary, I think. Oh, it's set okay. in Japan where the society can be really harsh towards those to, who doesn't fit in. I mean, it's basically oh. the reality in Japan anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you have a male that can fall pregnant, they're like the cast outcast of the outcast oh, yeah okay. so so we follow the protagonist's ken Talo, who through like a one night stand with his casual fling that he fell pregnant and he was thinking to have an abortion because he thought that oh it's gross it's disgusting it's yeah it's yeah. not it's not fit into the norm of the society whereas we all consider that women should be the one who become pregnant yeah yeah yeah. but then the more he look into it he he start thinking that oh how come 
that naturally men could fall pregnant, but because there's they're a very marginalized group, um, we should kind of start talking about it publicly. Yeah, it's almost yeah. almost like using a metaphor of like a queer group that are never re- that would never really fit into the society, but uh-huh. then it placed uh, the characteristics of a pregnant man into the uh-huh. society and because the protagonist is he's a marketing executive or an advertising company or something like that mm-hmm. it was a really interesting usage of um your japanese fashion brand unicolo uh-huh. but they don't use you they don't go call it unicolo in yeah. the in the drama they call it like uni unif or something like that but you can tell straight away with the logo it's it's they like kind of um projecting through unicolo when they want to have have this a huge marketing campaign to promote mm. marginalized group it's almost yeah, like capitalizing yeah. a marginalized group where we see almost every day now yeah mm. so the drama really talks about like the reverse role of mothers and fathers and what really constitute the concept of being parents is it really yeah. like a gender roles yeah, for yeah, yeah. mom and dads and also it really opens a conversation about how women choosing to do more than just being parents because the the female protagonist is in the drama who is the mother of uh, this unborn child is a Korean woman. And you can see her struggles of going through the very traditional family of saying that, oh, you're 35, you should get married, you should have a partner, have kids. But then she really wants to work uh, on her career path. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's just interesting. Yeah, It's very short. It's very short. It's only eight episodes. And every episode is like 25 minutes. 25 minutes, yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing the Wikipedia page now on it. And Helen, it's being described as a comedy drama series. Oh, I don't know if it's comedy. I I don't... Mm, Interesting. I don't find anything funny. Funny about it. It's a very very social commentary type of genre, I think. I think I want to try and watch it because... um, it sounds really like even the way you described it, just like the man falls pregnant and then the fact that he has the choice to have an abortion. I was just like, mm. uh, you know, the whole, oh, you know how people say if, um, if men were able to get pregnant, abortion would would have been legal like mm. since millennia, you know. Yeah. Um, the moment you said that, that's exactly what I thought. Like okay. men have never denied themselves choice. Yeah, you know, whereas with women, they they just ugh, yeah. oh my god, it's such a loaded yeah. issue that I don't want to get into. But um, but it does like I'm on the Wikipedia page and it sounds really interesting. Like the main character they describe as a 37 year old marketing executive mm. who suddenly becomes pregnant. He decides to keep the baby to change people's perspective on male pregnancy and yes. to prepare for the role. He watches the 1994 Arnold Schwarzenegger film Junior. <laughs> Apparently, this guy. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I want to watch it because yeah. um, I do want to watch more like foreign stuff. <laughs> foreign stuff. So, yeah, so much. <laughs> Not foreign stuff. That sounds so basic. Like, as in, I, I want. I really need to be a better global citizen and consume things that are not made by Americans. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. I recommend it. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, um, that's the end of our um, section of cultural consumption. And when we come back, we're going to talk about our main topic: Asian salad. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, we'll be, be right, right back. back. 
and we're back. And guys, we're going to talk about this thing called Asian salad, which I'm sure you've heard everywhere and seen everywhere. Yeah. Before um, we Helen start, can I ask before you? Before we start, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So have you ever bought those pre-packaged salads from no, Woolies and Coles? I haven't. Yeah, so Helen's <laughs> talking about those pre-packaged um, salads at Woolies and Coles um, in plastic packets, either like already pre-packaged in a bowl, like a plastic container, mm. or like in a plastic bag, bag. with yeah. like flavorings. So like um, Asian salads or Asian style mix. Yes. You know? and, and so um, Helen just, yeah, so you asked me if I've ever bought them. No is my <laughs> answer. And I'll tell you why. Because I don't like it. I don't like salads in general. Oh, I don't like okay. salads. I'm not a salad gal. Oh. I'm not a salad gal. What so about you, you? Never, you never, like what about going to the cafe? You never yeah, order never. salad. I never order salad. I feel okay. I feel like for me, ordering salad is like um, going to a bar and ordering water. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It's like, why would I want to... Like, salad is so unsubstantial. Like, for me, I just don't like salads, period. <laughs> and, like, and, and I guess, like... Yeah, and, and I'm not really, like... And you know me and, like, foods in general. My palate is so fucking white. Like, I, like... Give me a but sandwich salad any is day. white, I think. Is I feel it like salad is a bit white? Yeah, but like the greatest salads in the world, like um, are Thai or Vietnamese salads, right? They're like fresh. Yes. What do you think? That's true. Yeah. 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 But but yeah, um, like salad in general. Before we talk about Asian salads specifically, I've just personally, I just don't find salad appetizing at all. It literally mm-hmm. is like walking into a bar and asking for <laughs> water. <laughs> How do you feel about it? Have you bought these Asian salads? I bought. I think I bought once or twice because there's nothing else on the shelves that are see like that are green that I thought was healthy. Because I usually will buy something that's protein, and then something Rich, that's yeah. vegetable for yeah. our household dinner. But yeah. if there's nothing like no green vegetable, I th- I saw was fresh enough for me to buy. I'll go for the packaged salad. But I've only yeah. bought like Asian. I've only bought the Asian salad once or twice and then without thinking it too much I might have used a third of the pack and left the rest in the fridge beyond yeah, its yeah. best of the day best use date yeah and it's yeah, usually so- those ones that I don't know the ones that my family would not eat yeah okay let's just get down into the nitty-gritty and be specific so for our listeners out there what we mean today what we're really talking about Helen and I are like um, the racism behind the term Asian salad. So we're yes. both talking about we're, we're starting off with the salad, the prepackaged salad that you see at Woolies or your grocery store, right? We will go on to like restaurant delivered Asian salad, but like mm. we, I guess today in this episode we're just questioning the term Asian salad That's and right. like really thinking about the implications, the racial discriminatory implications of having that term mm-hmm. um you know co-opted i guess um and like who made that term up you know um, i i don't think i can think of like something european like, like asian just seems like a very broad general brushstroke that's right um, mm. yeah so um we're, we're talking about like uh, often they have like cabbage like a purple cabbage they often have um bean sprouts Mm-hmm. Right? And they often have carrots, shredded carrots. Carrots is in every salad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, and, and also, the thing that makes them quote-unquote Asian is like the sauce, right, mm-hmm. Helen? Would you the agree? Dressing. Like sesame oil or something. That's right, yeah. So what prompted our conversation today is that one of our listeners kindly shared an article with us, um, which is from Consumers Report, um, uh, written by Perry Sentanachite. 
So what prompted this writing was that when Senta Nachita's husband bought a pack of Asian salad as a last-minute solution to attend a potluck gathering. When asked how it is considered Asian, the husband replied, not mayonnaise. So this instant propelled Senta Nachita to look into the history of Asian salad and its complications for Asian Americans, or more broadly for Asian diasporas in the West. Mm. Um, so we look into the Asian salads in generally in the major supermarkets. Mm. It's the yeah. dressings that that make it that Asian. make it Asian, and it's yeah. usually soy. Sesame. Sesame. Um, I've seen. I don't think I've seen miso before. But I think it's just yeah, miso esque. Yeah, or yeah, um, vinaigrette. I don't even know what vinaigrette was considered Asian. But I think yeah, well, and also plum. I think plum sauce, like that kind of flavoury. Yeah, right. Make it Asian. It kind of got me into thinking what makes something categorised according to its geographical location. So Mm -hmm. I started thinking about like other things that are that are you know deemed um, ethnic. I guess quote unquote ethnic, like Greek salad. I don't think that comes from Greece. Someone termed that Greek salad. Oh really? I haven't looked into that. But Greek salad, you mean it's just a one country. If yeah. You don't call it European salad. Yeah, exactly. Or Mediterranean. Yeah, Mediterranean. Yeah. Um. So, and if you don't know, Greek salad is often just like tomato, capsicum, feta, cucumber. Yeah, yes. that's it. That's it. Those those four ingredients. Yeah. Um. Another thing, French dressing. What the fuck is French dressing, right? And what <laughs> makes it French? Another thing, Moroccan spice. What the mm. hell is Moroccan spice? You know, um, Japanese sauce. Oh my god, Japanese sauce. Yeah, well, what is that? What is that team? All these ethnic term foods, um, I guess generally they're all created by white people mm. to describe other otherness, right? Uh-huh. And we all know how the politics of food comes into everything we do. Yes. And here at Abdu, at Asian Beaches Down Under, we love to interrogate these things. <laughs> yeah, but generally what I really liked about this uh, writer who, who p- picks this um, term Asian salad to detail is they say, Part of the American understanding of Asian food, what it should look like and taste like, is very much conditioned by the Chinese-American diner and takeout. So it's basically like a term created by white people, isn't it, Helen? Mm. Or a term that is created to be more palatable for the white people. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. The, the main problem here is that, you know, you're having a racial label and adding it to the food, which doesn't mix well with where they are as a country. It also yeah. represents how Asians have been treated in North America as a monolith, you know, as a walking exactly. stereotype without respect. And also you got to consider when you use the word Asian, it's a whole continent, but most of those Asian salads, they're very limited to certain flavours. Yeah, exactly. We're talking exactly. about South Asian or Southeast Asian flavors. Those mm-hmm. are not the ones that we see in, yeah. in those no. Asian salads. Packet. Yeah, you know, exactly. what about the Filipino flavors? What about the Indian? I don't see, you know, Grand Nagar, what's it called? Masala flavor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Curry flavored um, yeah, exactly. salads. Yeah. So it kind of just like. Um, dissipates all the intricate different ethnicities all yes. the different regions of the world it kind of just like um, Try to dilutes congr- all yeah, of that like, dilutes like, all of that different yeah. yeah and like makes it just like oh sweeping sweeping term like Asian Asian mm. salad 
Yeah, yeah it does feel right. kind of very, um, somehow kind of like, um, just not right. It doesn't sit well with us is basically what Helen and I are saying. Right, mm-hmm. Helen? That's right, yeah. And also you've got to think about the t- power dynamic of deciding who, like, who decides this turn to go in Asia. Yeah, exactly. You know, like going back to what we say, it is mostly the white people who kind of lacks the effort to take in consideration of the multiple full cultures in Asia. They just use it, oh, it's just Asia, Asian. You know, I'm not going to care yeah, exactly. whether or not it's it, Japanese uh, flavor yeah. or is a Chinese flavor or yeah. is a Korean flavor. Just because I'm lazy to find out its origin, I might as well yeah, just exactly. use, a, use Asian. But then also, it also diminished um, certain specific flavors as well because in the article, the, I think uh, from my own memory that the writer... Actually, mm. it's another article, the, the one in New York Times. The New York Times. Yeah, this yeah. is Bonnie, back in 20, Bonnie 2017. Tai, Bonnie Tai. Yeah, it kind of... I wouldn't say... It kind of been become more reductive towards the origin of the Asian salad because the first Asian flavors that it become popularized back in 1930s is actually the Chinese type yeah. of salad. So yeah. you're kind of disregarding the origin being the Chinese and you just using Asian to, I don't know. Describe. To describe and cover the whole type of ethnic dishes. Yeah, and, and it's complex variety. Yes. It kind of dilutes all the different multi-layered complexities of all the different regional foods. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the way in which, like, um, often people are like, "Oh, Chinese is just one language," whereas, like, oh, yeah. we know that um, there's like a diff, uh, a trillion different <laughs> yeah. dialects. Yeah, just like the indigenous cultures and languages in Australia. Hundreds. Like, just within Arden Land by itself, you know, alone, just like one portion of Australia, there's like hundreds of different dialects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like that. And the, the, the problem with Helen and I want to interrogate is the fact that all these different, the fact that they can put a bunch of ingredients in a packet and just call it Asian. Mm-hmm. Kind of just like use, it kind of racializes food in a way that we're not very comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and dilutes the different multifaceted aspects of all those different regions. Yes. And the, and, the, and the way in which every single region, we have a different relationship to these foods that we have, you know? Mm-hmm. It also makes me think that I feel a bit, little bit ashamed calling ourselves Asian Bitches Down Hunter because we, we can't cover everything oh, yeah, exactly. in Asia. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But we can get away because we're Asians ourselves. Or <laughs> we can just call ourselves Taiwanese Bitches Down Under. <laughs> But that doesn't have the same ring as Asian bitches down under. Yeah. So what Bonnie too has said in her piece back in 2017 in New York Times Opinion, she said that the broad genetic terminology used to refer to an entire continent is the central issue. The casual racism of Asian sellers stems from the idea of um, fetishization and also I can never pronounce this word. <laughs> I can't pronounce Exoticization. it. Exoticization. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's not hard to pronounce that word. Anyway, so she said that the use of Oriental and Asian is rooted in the wild ranging, all looking the same stereotype of Asian cultures that most people don't really perceive as being racist. Yeah, it's kind exactly. of like a microaggression. Yeah, exactly. Say. Exactly. You're yeah. the same kind of thing. Yeah, it creates like yeah. a kind of blind spot. Yes, that's where it. You know, in the ecosystem of American restaurants menus, the dishes check 
uh, the dishes will check a box of geographic flavor diversity outside what company marketers understand to be the norm of their customers. Mm. Even to like a white um, audience, this reality is not restricted to Asian salad because the language of Asian salad is revealing of the dangers of bland, disembodied generalization. When you fail to see the countries and cultures as a discrete entities, what kind of considerations could you be expected to give to individual people? That's so good. I love that quote. That's yeah. so spot on. And it really kind of so wonderfully complements the next quote I, I wanted to um, give, which is from a Brooklyn-based multimedia mm-hmm. artist called Divya Gadani. And um, Divya says... Asian salad as a concept highlights the potentially harmful ways people can digest cultures different from their own. They're experiencing something flattening, flattened and distorted expressly for their own consumption. And a lot of the time, it's for some white dude's gain. She goes on to say, The Asian salad aimed to appease the white gaze and is now being wielded by mostly non-Asians if not exclusively non-Asians, and to what? Celebrate Asian flavours? Bring underrepresented food to the forefront? Hardly, because who is representing the culture? Who is at the forefront? Who gets to decide what the ingredients are? It was never meant to be representative. wonderfully captures what we've been talking about right help yeah exactly i think um i don't know i i have this feeling whether or not it should be called asian salad since i read the um the article but at the same time i'm seeing some i've seen some restaurants and cafes that are popping up and selling asian salads Mm. but even though if it's not um, run by it's not run by white people we do see Asian entrepreneurs that are selling dishes that label themselves as Asian salad I'm not going to name a particular business but while we're researching for this topic there is actually one specific business in Sydney labelled themselves Asian salad <laughs> So there's a business name and then Asian sellers underneath. And oh, really? when I look into it, um, it's a business that's run by a white person and I assume it's his partner or his business partner is an Asian lady. Right. And their their menu looks good, yeah. But I, I don't I don't know their who are their major um customers. Clients. Yeah, yeah, clients. I do have a sense of feeling that it will be mostly white people. Yeah. Where is the cafe? Which location? Oh, there's multiple locations. Oh, but okay. usually, I heard, I but no, I think majoritally, like... majoritally they are in North Sydney. Oh, North okay. suburbs of Sydney. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. But not in Chaswood because I don't think they will ever survive in Chaswood. I have a yeah, this yeah, feeling. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I might be generalizing here. I have a feeling that not a lot of Asians will eat salad. Not that. Not yeah, that, that's what I'm saying yeah. before when you said like I guess like. No, sorry, I agree I agree with you. And also, um, when you said that generally salad is a white thing, mm. I tend to, like, yeah, I agree with you. Like, yeah, but I, I, you we could, do you know that... You could go to any cafe in Sydney and there'll be a salad on the menu. Yeah, but we do know that, you know, right. the most popular salad tends to be the wine... Green salad. Uh, the papaya salad from... Oh, right, with from, mangoes. like, Thailand. Yeah, yeah, and 
Vietnamese does a good salad as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. the tropical... I just... Yeah, flavours. Yeah, the tropical I just don't flavors. find salads very filling. That's why I don't like them. Oh, same thing, okay. same thing with soups. I'm generally not a soup <laughs> gal because, like, I just find, like, I'm always hungry after soup. I like to eat things, like solids, mm. and I feel like greens are not solid food. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I have to say, Helen, now that we're talking about examples, real-life examples, I guess if we were going to take this conversation to the next level and ask, like, who does it well or how can we do it better? Mm. There is a cafe in Darlington where I used to live. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think they're run by Taiwanese people. Um, it's on Abercrombie <sighs> Street. And they, is it what they Kisa? do... Is it called Kisa? Kisa 101? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kisa 101. And they do, like, a lot of different Asian kind of dishes. Mm-hmm. And what they do do is they don't name it Asian or Japanese salad. They, they just call they it just, what it is. They just call it what it is the in ingredients. its original name. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what yeah. I think is yeah. well done. I think that is well done. When you just call it what it is mm-hmm. and you don't white- whiten it, when you don't try and, like, dilute it for the white gaze, you just, like, you kind of just, like, call it what it is and translate it. And like, don't patronize white people by by kind of converting it into or dumbing it down into something, just because you think oh, white people can't pronounce his name. Like <laughs> on the menu, yeah. it actually just like reads how how like it just it just translated word for word, you mm-hmm. know. So you can say it as a white person. I think that's how it's really yeah. well done. I think that is a good way of just like. What doing it should salad, be just calling it what it is. Yeah, I mean, in, if the, you, in its a if, native country. Yeah, I mean, even if you come up with innovative um, fusion or whatever sort of dish, you should just use the ingredients and call it what it is. Or if yeah. you are transferring the dish name, which is from a non-English term, and then you can phonetically translate it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then explain like, it underneath. That. Yeah, yeah, and ex- explain it underneath of what ingredients or what sort of dish it is. Because the fact is, when we go to European restaurants, Italian and French restaurants, they don't translate. They don't translate. Exactly. The fucking menu are full of French and Italian. I know, and English. And they have the little so many things. They have the minimum. So many things. The minimum yeah. English explanation yeah, underneath exactly. the menu. Uh, as I if like. like as, As if, if we're supposed like, to know. Yeah, you're supposed to know. And then if you I ask know. the waiter, like, what is this ingredient? They, They'll like, give, give you a look. The, the look like you're, oh, you're dumb. Like, you don't know what this, know. like, fine truffle cheese from <laughs> some regional part of Italy. You don't know what that is. You're, you're dumb. Yeah, exactly. You're so right. Yeah. You know? It's also very condescending, you know, from, yeah, exactly. from the perspective of different region of food that you're supposed yeah, exactly. to I guess there's always a hierarchy of course when it comes to food yeah. and there's also yeah, exactly. a social perception yeah yeah I have to say when I go to a fancy Italian restaurant like maybe like once a year there's always something on the menu like some sort of special salami or meat cured meat that uh-huh. I just have never heard <laughs> of or some English, cheese yeah. and yeah and, and it's not in English and you have to ask the waiter you know yeah exactly and and it's it's such a uh, litmus test on like who's rich and who isn't. Don't mm-hmm. you think? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, just uh, I really just want to go back to the bibimbap. Um, everyone knows what bibimbap is these days, but if you don't, you're you know obviously <laughs> no comment there. But but I have to say, um, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I was at the uh, Welcome Hotel, which is like a hotel in Roselle, okay. super white suburb in Australia, in Sydney, and one of the trivia questions was was what is the origin, which origin country is bibimbap, the dish uh-huh. bibimbap. Okay. And I was like, and me and my friend, who's also Asian, we were there, we were like, are you fucking serious? And like, we were the only Asian <laughs> people. Yeah. I know, we were like, that is such a fucking stupid question, but also, 
Oh yeah, we're in Roselle. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just like asking people, what country is um Cheeseburger from? Cheese from, yeah, or something. She's like fuck. <laughs> what country is Macca's from? Yeah, exactly. Hold on, give me a second. Also, sec. is that, is that gonna, your dog in yeah, the background? Yeah, Jake. We're just going to get okay. Jake outside. Can I, can I see him? Oh, hi, Jake. What, what's he doing? Why are they wanting to go yeah, out? They just want to go outside. <gasps> so who, who answer? who end up answering the question? Oh, we left by then. <laughs> it was, we didn't sit to the end. We actually stopped playing because we ha- we were more engrossed in our own conversations. <laughs> That's funny. But, uh, yeah, oh, my gosh, that was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Bonnie's ha- Bonnie to actually end her article by saying that the nostalgic fusion food for Asian Americans, um, they have the right to be there, but just have non-racial specific terms, exactly. non-racial specific names. You know, I mean, um, I don't know if uh, the other Western country has it, but in Australia we have fried ice cream in a lot yeah. of. Like the retro, that's that's the kind of the dish that we have in a lot of Asian takeaways. Yeah, but that's yeah, not yeah. that's not an Asian dish at all. Yeah, that's just exactly. something that the Asian immigrants came up. I know, you know, when you go to like a, a, a sort of suburban Asian restaurant in um in America. Like I remember when I was in DC, I went to like a quote unquote Asian takeaway. Mm, yeah, they had like fish and chips, man. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Pizza. They have some pizza. Chinese restaurants has fish yeah. and chips. They have chips. I found it so funny when I see chips in the, yeah, on the menu in the, in the Chinese yeah, restaurant. I love it. Restaurant. But oh, yeah, but then so again, funny. you can understand because some white kids probably cannot yeah, eat what a, compelled their, chicken. Yeah, exactly. Or like with their um, chicken. What is it? Um, chicken nuggets. Ramen or um, what's the most typical chicken um, Asian dish? Uh, like Chinese dish. Um, what is sweet and sour pork? Is sweet that sour what they pork. Have? Yeah. Which I haven't had since I was like five, because it's just like not in our cuisine, <laughs> or at least not in Taiwanese cuisine. One time I had a friend's father, who was like um, Jewish. He's Jewish uh-huh. and he was learning Chinese, and he okay. asked me what's the difference between Taiwanese food and Chinese food, and I couldn't tell him an answer. I have I have no idea. Even uh, today, I, I don't know how to say answer that question. Well, it's. <laughs> I think I guess Chinese. I guess Chinese food is just an extension of Chinese food. Okay, don't quote mm-hmm. me. Oh, don't quote me, please. Don't come and attack me. Let's, let's do a whole part on that. That's just my own perception. Yeah, yeah. Exploring that question. Chinese food. There's so many regions. There's thousands know, exactly. type of regions of food. You cannot just decide yeah, exactly. that it's just one. Like yeah. Sichuan is like Cantonese in itself. Cantonese, Guang, northern, Guang, northern yeah, China, Guangdong, Guangdong, northern China, Shanghainese yeah. is, a, is a whole region by itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I have to say I love Taiwanese food. Yes. Kongba. <laughs> Kongba which your daughter my loves. My, yeah, my yeah. Your daughter who's vegetarian <laughs> says, Kongba. Kongba. I love Kongba. <laughs> I fucking love that girl. Okay, anything else? No, I'm like, I, I, yeah, I'd love to hear what the listeners think about this issue. Yeah, let us know yeah. what you think. Let us know, yeah. Okay, so before we go, we'd like our listeners to give us some feedbacks regarding to our work with the podcast. So please do go on to our show note, uh, our episode show note, and click the link with the uh, the survey. Complete the survey for your chance to win G. Harkin's book. Beast of the Little Land. Uh, the winner will be drawn on the seventeenth of June, so not long to go. So make sure that you do that. 
And that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple, and give us a five star rating. If you'd like to support what we do here at Asian Bitches Down Under, head to our Buy Me Coffee page to make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. Okay, so that's it from us this week. We'll chat yeah, to you next time. We'll chat to you next week. Yeah.、Um, in the meantime, guys, when you go out to eat. Just、uh, be observant by what kind of salad you see on the menu, <laughs>、yes. and let us know. Best day, save everyone. Bye. Yeah, bye. bye.